Welcome to the Core Women Podcast. My name is Dr. Summer Watson. I'm a doctor of psychology, podcaster, published author, coach, producer of documentary empowerment films, and empowerment seminars. This podcast is a special place for the hearts and souls of women. It is a place where women share their journeys, strength, resiliency, strategy, and passions. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Whitney Wiley, who is the founder and chief evolution officer of Shifting Into Action, also known as SIA, a coach, consultant, author, speaker, and trainer. Prior to starting SIA, Whitney was a lobbyist and the legal counsel for the Association of California Water Agencies and is a contributing author to the best-selling book, One Habit for Success and Tag Talks. We have a great deal to talk about today, Whitney, so let's get right into this and welcome. Well, thank you, Summer. It's such a pleasure to be here. Appreciate it. Well, I am so happy to be with you this afternoon. So Whitney, let's get right into this by having you talk about your personal and professional journey. And you can start where you'd like to start. You know, I I think the big thing that really is resonating with me right now is that I didn't get where I am on a straight line. It wasn't a straight trajectory, right? right. I, like you, went to Berkeley. Uh, before I went to Berkeley, I had started out of high school at San Francisco State. I did not like San Francisco State. I didn't, I, it wasn't the school. I didn't like going to San Francisco. It's cold and foggy. And I didn't <laughs> enjoy that. And, but over the summer, I'd met this guy and he was from Southern California. He went to Long Beach State. And somewhere in my head, I got this wild notion to go to Long Beach State. So I transferred. But the really interesting thing was he wasn't there. He was in San Antonio playing basketball. So it, the, the logic at the time was non-existent. <laughs> Now, I'm going to take you a couple of steps back here so the listeners know this. So just because I had the opportunity to read your bio, you grew up in Berkeley, right? I grew up in Berkeley, yes. Okay, so just around the corner, about 15, 30 minutes away in San Francisco. So yes. you live in Berkeley, then you went to San Francisco State, and now we're getting over to Long Beach State. To Long Beach State. With the fuzzy logic. <laughs> Thank you. That's generous. That is really generous. <laughs> and I'm only playing with you. So <laughs> no, that's really that's really generous. And it's a lot nicer than what my parents said. <laughs> at the time, so. so you jump over to Long Beach State, although this young man who you followed over there is in San Antonio. And yeah. then what? So I'd spent a couple of years in Southern California. I didn't actually ever go to class. So I had enrolled, I had enrolled. Sorry. And for, I think when we talked before, I told you I discovered soap operas while I was there. So I spent right. all my time in the student union. And the bottom line at that time was, I was sort of drifting. I graduated a year early from high school. My father told me not to do it. He said, like, you're not ready. Do not do this. You're not ready. But of course, I was kind of a rebel and I was just determined to do things my own way. So I graduated early. He had wanted me to go to Berkeley. I'm like, I don't want to go to Berkeley. I, th there's nothing about Berkeley that's appealing. I wanted to go away. 
And that didn't happen. So I ended up at San Francisco State. Then I sort of got away. I moved to Southern California, lived with family, enrolled at Long Beach State. I think I went to class, I don't know, maybe two weeks or so. And then I found the student union and soap operas. And that was like the end of me going to school. You know, I will fast forward a little bit and I ended up coming back home. My father said either get a job or go to school. I wasn't ready to get a job. I just (laughs) wasn't ready to do that. So I went back to school, went to community college and then transferred to Berkeley. Now, you know, Berkeley for me was a challenge because I, I transferred and everyone that was in the courses that I was in, they'd already built their communities. They built relationships and, you know, you just kind of plop in the middle of this in classes that are a thousand students and it's really difficult to get connected. And I was struggling and I struggled from the beginning and I'd been someone who'd done really well in school, but I wasn't doing well at Berkeley. Eventually was on academic probation. I was dismissed. At some point I fought my way back, went back, but I never finished my degree at Berkeley. So I'm like one course shy of an applied mathematics degree. Wow. And it's something that is in my head that at some point I'm going to finish this because it's just hanging out there for no reason other than it really is who I am to complete things. And it just kind of hangs out there. But what happened from that was that I figured out that I was kind of floating without a, I didn't have a plan. I really didn't have a plan. I had wanted to be a doctor. I had wanted to be a lawyer. At some point I'd wanted to be a movie star, you know, and those things for each had their own challenges. I'd right. wanted to be a model. I'm too short, too stocky for model. Um, and so all the things that I had wanted, I kept running up against these roadblocks, but I didn't have, or rather I should say, I hadn't tapped into my fortitude for pushing through challenges. And I think a lot of that is because I didn't have a a really good why. Mm -hmm. And so I went through life just kind of taking jobs here and there. And I found myself wanting to do something really important. I got a gift for Christmas one year and I was, (laughs) I was upset that I got this gift. It was a book. (laughs) My brother had given it to me. I, I, and I think to this day, I still haven't properly thanked him for the end result, but Initially, I was upset that he'd given me this book. I was like, why would you give me this? I, you know, it, it didn't connect. It didn't make sense to me. But I don't know, maybe a year later, something drew me to that book and I read it. And it changed the trajectory of my life in terms of figuring out what it is I wanted. The name of the book was Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice by Dennis Kimbrell. And from there, I read the original Think and Grow Rich. And I was like, oh, (laughs) this is what's supposed to be happening in my life, right? I'm supposed to have some sort of plan. I'm supposed to figure out what 
makes my soul sing? What, what floats my boat? And up until then, I had had things that I'd wanted to do, maybe because I'd seen other people do it, or I thought, well, I'll be able to make lots of money that way. But I hadn't really connected to a why I wanted to do those things. Right. And so from reading the book, I met some people who were motivational speakers and I got connected with them and I was just in awe of how they were inspiring other people to do things. So here I am again, though, with the notion, okay, I'll become a motivational speaker. But I hadn't really, really connected to, well, why would you be a motivational speaker? Or what about you is motivational or makes sense? And I had this thought, well, you haven't really lived. You haven't experienced anything. You don't have any lessons to teach. And so I started to talk myself out of it. Mm-hmm. At that point, I'd, somewhere along the way, I'd gotten married. We'd gotten a divorce. And so now I'm a single mother. And mm-hmm. as a single mother, all I kept thinking was I didn't want my son to become a statistic. And I had to do something to really turn my life around. It's like, now I understand what I'm supposed to feel and how I'm supposed to move through life, but still hadn't figured it out. And so I started developing these programs in my head, on the computer, and just started going out to, organizations where I could speak to kids. And and I did have a passion for that, for doing something to help kids in the community. So I just started volunteering, talking about goal setting. And that, I think, was where I started to get a heart for what I was doing, rather than just the logic piece of, oh, you should be doing this. But now it was starting to connect to my heart. And I ended up working for a program called At Promise at McClyman's High School in Oakland. And it was the best experience. I absolutely loved that job. My, my role was to bring community resources into the school. And so I brought tutors and we did job fairs and career uh, fairs and college fairs. They had never had a college fair And so I started connecting with recruiters all over the country, bringing them to the school. Now, the program only had about 45 kids in it, but the things that I was doing benefited the entire community. And my role there was to make sure that the kids in the program left school when they graduated, that they had a plan, either to go to four-year school, two-year vocational, military, have a job bottom line is they needed to understand that they needed a plan. And so I, I, I enjoyed that job so much. And then I was sitting with someone in my office one day who was talking about law school. And I said, oh, I wanted to be a lawyer. I said, but I don't have a degree. And it was something that I was embarrassed about. I had never told anyone I didn't have a degree. I didn't apply for jobs where it would become an issue. 
And so that was the first time I think I'd said out loud to someone outside of my family that I didn't have a degree. And he said, oh, in California, you don't, you don't need a degree to go to law school. And so I did the research, found out that was true. There is a level of um, law school. They're called bar accredited, California bar accredited schools. Mm -hmm. I went to uh, a bar accredited school went at night. I started when my son was eight. I uh, did four years, graduated uh, number two in my class. I, I had been on law review. I'd um, done moot court competitions. And so I was really into it. I felt like I'd found something that really resonated with me. I loved law school. Most people don't say that they loved school, that the yeah. law school, but I did. <laughs> I loved law school. And um, really proud of the fact of how well I did with some of the you know circumstances that were swirling around me at the time. But I took that and I moved into a career as a lobbyist and a lawyer for a water district. So my the clients or the members of the association that I work for are the water providers in California. They're the public water systems in the state of California. And so I did that after I had done two years with the um, uh, administrative office of the courts, uh, lobbying for them for judicial branch issues and then moved into water and uh, then spent some time as the legal counsel for the association. They'd not had counsel before in-house. And so it was something that I wanted to do and was um, blessed to have a boss that really pushed for that for me and for me to have that role. Right. Well, that sounds exciting. And I absolutely can appreciate the journey. Now, I have a few questions for you because, sure. you know, as you're talking about your journey, you're talking about not necessarily finding that passion until later on down the road, gaining that wisdom, having the insight to know you still had some insight there where you were like, yeah, I need to pick up on my own experiences. I need yes. to find out where my passion is. And what's really interesting, especially when you went to the school and worked in that program with those children, it was interesting because you're working a program with these 45 kids where you were trying to expose them to certain things where they would have a plan. Yes. They would have strategy. Yes. So what did you think about that? What was your insight about here I was kind of going from left to right to left to right in these different patterns, maybe not even having a pattern, so to speak. <laughs> there was no pattern. <laughs> it wasn't an eight. It wasn't an infinity sign. It wasn't, there wasn't a pattern. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was very, it was very convoluted. I'll put it that way. And, right. and I think part of that was that I didn't want that for them. And I'm not the first person to kind of wander through life. No, um, aimlessly through life. But there is something to be said for at least exploring what it is you want and are passionate about and whether or not you actually do it initially or you do it down the line or you do it as as we call it now a side hustle or whatever it 
it, it is helpful in terms of your happiness, right? We can all go through life just doing things, having a job, having a family, you know, showing up at church or, you know, volunteering in the, com in the community. But that doesn't mean that we are doing things that are fulfilling. And without fulfilling, being fulfilled and doing things that are meaningful to you and to other people, you're not going to be happy and enjoy filled and full of bliss. And I don't think that we need to go through life. And I think as we look around and see interactions between people that are hateful and contentious and, you know, suicide rates, those are things that are, that, you know, um, results of not being in touch with who you are and happy with who you are and where you are in life. And so maybe for some people, it's okay to, to wander aimlessly. Like, you know, a lot of people do that. And maybe that's where they get their bliss, right? Is just right. kind of going with the flow. Other right. people need much more structure and need to know I'm going from A to B to C to D. And that's fine. The bottom line is we have to figure out who we are, right? who we are at our core. And that takes time and energy. Now, whether or not it's going to take you 20 years to get there, or you could do it in five years or five minutes, the bottom line is that you have to take some time, sit in silence, walk through life every now and then, turning off all the distractions and just getting in touch with who you are. And at some point, I sat down with pen and paper and just started thinking about what do I want my life to look like? Right. And once I figured out what I wanted my life to look like, it was then possible for me to figure out how to move forward doing things vocationally that mattered to me, that provide for my family, and that make me feel fulfilled and that I am contributing uh, to society. So I'll say this much about my role as counsel and lobbyist for the association is that the, the job was very meaningful. Um, you cannot live without water. So right. knowing that I was involved with making sure that water, you know, our, our mission was to make sure that our members could provide clean, affordable water in the state of California. And so that's meaningful. Right. But I didn't feel fulfilled in that. Not because the work wasn't meaningful. There were other things going on and there were other interests that I had. And it, in the, you know, when I explained some of my life about 15 years ago, um, my son was in a car accident on the day of his high school graduation. And uh, he died that day in the, from the accident. And one of the passengers in the car also died. And in the, the months after that, I spent a lot of time soul searching. What 
who I really, really want. You know, it, you, you have things that happen and you get smacked in the face or upside the head and you have to ask questions about life, some existential questions. And what is the purpose of all this? Why am I here? What's the meaning of this? Why did bad things happen to good people? You know, just all these questions were swirling. And I just asked them, and it's like, are you happy? If you continue on this path and you're 80 and you look back, will you be able to say, you know, I lived a good life. I was happy during my life. And I was not, I was not happy in the role of lobbyist. Um, and I had to face that. And there were some challenges because I made a really good living. Mm-hmm. And it's right. like, so you just walk away from this. You spent, you know, four years in law school and, and now I'd been at the job for a while. It's like, you're just going to walk away from this. And then there was an inner conflict and a turmoil. And it's like, you finally <laughs> figured out something in a path and have a career. And so there was the, 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 the societal voice, I guess, right. in my head. Right. And then there was my heart talking to me again, saying, it's your life. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It doesn't matter whether it makes sense. You have to figure out what it is that you want. And, you know, I was unhappy in my job, but I am extremely grateful for the experiences that came out of that, starting with what, in my opinion, was poor leadership. And so I was observing, you know, uh, experiences or, or lessons, I guess you could say. I'm, I'm watching th- these things happening. And I got really curious and interested about leadership and why leaders behave the, the way they do. What makes a good leader? What doesn't? <laughs> what kinds right. of things keep someone from being a good leader? And organizations. And so I went back to school um, and I actually got a bachelor's degree and now it had already had a law degree that I could get without the bachelor's degree, but right. I went back to school and decided to get a bachelor's degree because I wanted to close off that part of my life. Right. I wanted to make sure that I completed a degree, a, a bachelor's degree. So I went to USF, the university of San Francisco, and I got a, a BS in, Um, organizational behavior and leadership. I love this field. Absolutely love it. And I had taken courses at the community college studying management and organizations just for the sake of doing it. And somewhere in the midst of kind of watching what was happening in my organization and taking these classes, I was like, oh, this is really kind of cool. And so that's how I ended up at the University of San Francisco. And then I went on to get a master's degree in organizational development and leadership from St. Joseph's University out of uh, Philadelphia. And making that decision, along with the things that I'm like, at this point, really, really passionate about, which is leadership and um, careers and, and understanding why people choose the careers they choose, right. helping people to 
make choices to stop and think about and to benefit from some of the lessons that I've learned right. about getting in touch with who you are. I've found a way to like package all this up to, to make it um, something that I have the ability to share with other people. Um, and I'm really excited about being a, a, someone who helps other people um, figure out what it is they want to do and grow well, in that area. I certainly can appreciate your story your journey, all that you've been through, all that you've experienced, all the choices that you've made. I'm going to take a step back here before we get sure. to one of my other questions that has to do with what you're doing today. But there's a few steps I want to take back because I want to talk about that whole idea of purpose. And you say that we got to find a purpose. We absolutely do. We have passions. Where do we find those passions? And many times as we're growing up, say between the ages of zero to 18, we have these caretakers, parents, ever. Mm -hmm. yes. mm -hmm. and they want the best for you, right? Absolutely. They want the best for you. They want you to do well for yourself. And so they want to kind of groom you to like go to the left or go to the right, right. or you right. Know, create this box so you can actually have defined borders in relation to you can do this and here's what we're offering you. It's all in this beautiful box, right? Yes. Yes. Whitney didn't want to be in that box. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I did not. Which is Still fine. Don't. <laughs> Which is fine because I think it scares a lot of people. And my point is it scares parents. It scares caretakers yes. yes. because when their child isn't going and fitting into maybe this package or that package or that package, they're wondering, where is my child going? Right. What right. are they doing? And not only that, are they going to get lost somewhere? And people do tend to get lost at times. Yes. In that journey, in trying to find their passion or what's making them happy. And there's where, in some cases, people start depressing because either they can't find that, they don't have the insight to think about and do that self discovery, right? Right. But you did. And I think that's, that is part of the lesson here is that it does take some, some deep dive sometimes into self and yes. who you are discovering who you are, what your passions are, but that also goes to speak to experience and the experience that you allowed yourself to have. You allowed yourself to have multiple experiences yes. regardless of whether or not your pattern wasn't a crazy eight or a, you know, a this sign or a that, right? It was your pattern. Yes. And it might've been a, a batter pattern, but it was like, it was <laughs> like spaghetti on the wall. Right. Let's see what's right. Right. Exactly. Right. And so, but it worked for you and it, and ultimately it, it has, yes. it has yeah. worked for you and it can work for others. And yes. I think that there was, you were given and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were also provided a very good foundation growing up. Yes. With parents. I believe so. I believe so. You know, it's interesting you say that at the time in, in the midst of it, I did not think so. Uh, I thought my parents were crazy. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought they were just a little off, but in the end, yes, it has, I think I had a good foundation. I think I have 
found myself and come to a place where I am happy with who I am before what it is I do. And yes. that is the thing. But you made a really good point, you know, Summer, about the, the, the boxes that parents in society puts on kids, schools even, um, in, in the, the guise of love and doing what's best for them. And, you know, I spent this last weekend, four days with Tony Robbins, 23,000 people around the world. And part of the work that happens in that event was like pulling these layers off of things that over time have covered over the essence of who we are. And in their absolute I love you and I want what's best for you. Parents sometimes do exactly the opposite because, and, and everyone can have their own opinion about this. This is where I'm coming from. We come here, regardless of, you know, your, your spiritual predilections and philosophy, but we come here whole healthy. And there is a, there not just a purpose, but there is purpose for us being here. And it needs to be allowed to be expressed. And I was watching um, a movie yesterday that the dreamer movie, the premiere of the dreamer that I didn't know about until yesterday. Um, but I was watching it and there was, you know, at some point in the movie, a statement was made about th this very thing that the things that are kind of quirky about us, that's different about us, that makes us stand out from other people, that's our thing. Yeah. And in an effort to keep our kids from being picked on, right? We kind of push them to conform right. and we start piling these layers on them so that they can't express themselves as who they truly are. And again, parents wanting the absolute best. I did this. I, I absolutely did this. Um, you know, my son had, would express himself in um, artistic ways. And it's like, no, we've got to get your homework done, right? <laughs> and we did have to get his homework done, but he needed to express himself artistically. Right. And if I had the chance to do it all over again, I would search out a school, a, a magnet school, a charter school or something, a, a homeschooling program, something that would allow him to learn the things that he needed to learn in the way he needed to learn them rather than the way we've constructed education, which was why initially I wanted to go to school and be an education lobbyist. When I went to law school, that was my thinking was to ha have an impact on how education is done in California. But, we, you know, we have these school systems and 
in order to get as many kids through with the least amount of trouble for the teachers and the school district and all of that, we have to do it a particular way or they feel they have to do it a particular way to maximize the resources. But that doesn't allow for each child to be who they are. And so we've got parents, you know, putting layers on, then school puts layers on, peers put layers on. So you've got all these layers. And is it any wonder that kids are suffering, that they are depressed, or that we have the kinds of suicide rates that we do for, you know, young kids? And they can't be who they're meant to be. And so parents have to step back. And and some of it is wanting your children to do better than you did or do it in a different way than you did. So I certainly didn't want my my son um, to kind of wander through life. So I was like, if you do this, then you don't have to wander (laughs) through life. But I still didn't ask him what he wanted. Right. And how he wanted to, or what he saw his life looking like. Right. And so that's the difference between where I am now and where I was then, right? right. I was helping the kids uh, at McClyman's explore life in a way I wasn't even doing with my own child. Because right. I wanted something for him. And I guess I felt like I could, you know, direct him that wasn't my job with the other with the other kids it was to be open and ask the questions well what is it that you're thinking what is it that you want to do what are your passions what are the things that you're interested in what are your your abilities your skills your talents and let's look at the possibilities right right and then you flow from there and and that's more of the approach that I take now and um, the the people that my clients that I work with are older than high schools. And so they've had some experiences and done, some of them have dovetailed, some of them have gotten a job and they're in it and they're miserable Mm -hmm. and they don't know why, right? Because they have everything that society says they're supposed to have, but there's something inside of them that's missing. Right. And that's what we have to explore. Right. And I, again, you said that so well in relation to bringing up so many different topics of parents somewhat stifling these children and different organizations such as schools, educators, parents, and then top that with well-intentioned. Yes, you know, so We can't necessarily fault them because what they're trying to give is what has been modeled for them. Yes. And so we're repeating patterns, right? And or, so, or to go against a pattern or go against a pattern, yes. right? Yes. Or our, our caretakers haven't done maybe their own self exploration, not right. Understand right. where their happiness is and what their purpose really is, but they're following the example of what was set for them to yes. for a company. Yes. 50 years and then get out and da da da. So they want certain things because that's what they know. That's what they've been yes. taught. That's what society has imposed. So there's so much we could talk about there. And that is a discussion for another day because <laughs> seriously, we, we could talk about those, those subjects 
for a long time. My last few questions for you, and I want to be real specific here because you have done so many things over the years. What is one subject that you really love to educate about? I Self. So it, it really starts with self-awareness, self-understanding. And I think if we start there, everything else sort of takes care of itself. Um, and so in terms of the work that I do, whether it's about careers or leadership, it starts with self. Who are you? What do you know about yourself? What is it that you want? Where are your passions? What are your values and priorities? What are your passions and purpose? And, and then grow and expand from there. If you, let's say as a leader, understand who you are, you understand what your purpose is as a leader. Your purpose as a leader isn't about you. Right. Right. Your, your role and purpose as a leader is about those that you lead. And if you don't understand that, then it's difficult to lead well. If you don't take the actions that you take with those you lead with intention, then you're just kind of, you know, maybe you're figuring it out and, and that's fine, but you've got people who are depending on you in the meantime. And so it, if you're figuring it out, if you're kind of, if let's say it's a on the job training, you're figuring, it's incumbent upon you to be honest and open with those that you are leading. And so understanding that makes it possible for you to move forward. So I think that if I could teach nothing else and impart lessons about nothing else, it would be about un being someone who understands who you are um, in this world and your relationship to yourself and other people. Uh, sort of the, you know, one of the prongs of emotional intelligence, right? It, it starts with you, but it's not about you. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So my next question, because of that, what is that subject? What is that subject that lights you up, that you're passionate about, which you gave the answer to? And here you now have created a construct yeah. to offer folks to delve more into and explore what that self is yeah. so and who they are. And so that let's talk a little bit briefly about shifting into action. Okay. So um, shifting into action is my business and it is about helping people start there with self. And once you figure out who you are, what it is, you always spend time thinking about what it is you want, what you want your life to look like, what what do you want your relationships to look like, feel like, taste like? So and the, the experiences that you want to have, so that you can be intentional about the choices you make, the actions you take that will help you to manifest that uh, in your life. And one of the the programs out of that is the simple leadership method, and the simple leader and simple is an acronym starting with self-awareness. The most important thing I think is self-awareness, is intentionality, is mastery, purposefulness, leverage, and then energy. And all of those things combined, when you 
understand how to navigate and manage yourself and then how you impact those around you, your relationships, um, then you can start to build trust. And that's where being a leader um, starts is being able to have relationship with other people that there's a trust built around a vision, a purpose for which you are helping to move forward with your team. Fabulous. I love it. So my last question for this interview is as we wrap this up, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? Get quiet get quiet, be silent, take time every day. And then occasionally for extended periods of time, um, I have done silent weekends where I, it's just me in a pen and a book, no TV, no radio, no, um, no blogs, no, you know, none of the things that are distractions in life. And it's, it's, it's challenging practice. Certainly at the beginning, it's a challenging thing because our world is constantly moving and whirling and, and we've got, you know, devices that allow us to be connected all the time, but you've got to get quiet. You've got to be sit in silence, walk in silence, stand in silence and just listen. Right. But you can't listen unless you get quiet. And th there's in Deepak Chopra's, um, the seven spiritual laws of success. There's, there's an, I guess it's an analogy. Um, maybe it's a metaphor. I never seem to get those straight. Like an ass and then what's yeah. <laughs> Never seem to get it straight. But he talks about if you've got a, you know, um, a turbulent ocean, you know, that's uh, waves crashing and, and, and just lots of movement and you throw the Empire State Building in, you're not going to know the difference. But if you have a still lake and you can throw the smallest pebble in, you can see the ripples that the smallest pebbles made. And so the essence of that is the reason that we have to get quiet, that we have to, you ask the questions that you want the answers to, and then you have to just be quiet and listen for the answers. And I think if we do more of that and are more in touch with ourselves, regardless of what we're doing as a vocation, whether we're happy in it or not, if we can get in touch with self, then there are other things that we can do and bring into our lives that will allow us to have the fulfillment and do the things that are meaningful while we figure out this other piece of our lives. But if we don't ever get quiet and ask the questions and then listen for the answers, we just go through life like that ocean, kind of turbulent inside and not knowing why the pieces don't seem to come together when you look around and you go, I've got everything I could ever want, but get quiet, get silent and just listen. Well, that was beautiful. Thank you, Whitney, for joining me on the core women podcast today and for sharing your journey. Well, thank you summer for having me. It was a pleasure and a joy.
Thank, Thank you. you so much. If you would like to know more about Whitney Wiley, she can be reached at Whitney at shiftingintoaction.com. You can find Whitney on LinkedIn and her Facebook group is called Dream Job Career Connection. If you need a strategic empowerment coach, contact me. If you want to tell your story of empowerment or how you have reconstructed your life to drive change, send me a video or an email of your story providing permission to use it on my social media platforms. If you want to be featured on my podcast, reach out to me at info at corewomen.com. I want to hear from you and to get to know you. You are now part of the Core Women Home. Let's get to know each other. Let's learn from one another. Please follow Core Women on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please let your women friends know about this podcast. If you write about Core Women in your social media posts, please hashtag Core Women. This is all about women. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about Core Women, and please stay tuned for continued growth of the Core Women movement. Let's grow and drive change together.